What is up? Hello and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. There's a little bit more pep in the step of Bucks fans this week as they are coming off of a win for the first time in a month after going through a three-game losing streak. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Los Angeles Rams last Sunday 16-13 to and are back in first place in the NFC South before they head to Germany to face off with the surprising first-place Seattle Seahawks. We will talk about all of that and more today. I am Trey Downey. As I said, this is the Downey and Martez podcast. We are a Bucks Nation podcast, so check out Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com on a daily basis for the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Forgot to mention that. And then you can follow my co-host on Twitter. He is at Elmar810. Beware of people impersonating him with all of these new weird Twitter rules. You, you just got to, you can tell by the tweets whether it is the one, the only, Len Martez. What's up, man? I ain't paying for no blue check mark. You can keep your $8. Um, yeah, a couple of things as we get started today. Number one is, I know we're going to talk about this game. <laughs> well, your little diatribe, your little start, your little intro. First off, they're already in Germany. Uh, and, and Yes, they left on Thursday. They're already there. Yeah. They're already there. Today's Thursday. Yes. Um, and the next thing is, is you mentioned they're in first place. They are. Man. This is three weeks in a row that I'm just going to be, uh, I'm just going to be real, man. You can go paint your little pictures and, you know, bring, bring up roses and act like everything is okay. And yay, they won a game. Not even, that's not even what I'm trying Wee! to do, but I can already Wee! tell, I can already tell Wee! the way that this podcast is going to go as Lynn is already throwing shots like, uh, like Thomas Hearns, like the hitman. I'm, I, I'm the reality check, homeboy. I don't need a blue check. Okay. I am the reality check. We will start it like this. $8 a month. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, we will start. Because yours the... comes for free, man. It comes for friendship. <laughs> although I give it to, although I give it to you on a weekly basis, it's free. They're free. So we'll start. We'll start with this. I mentioned at the top, the Bucks win sixteen to thirteen. They're back in. They're back in first place. Uh, I wasn't trying to paint the rosiest of pictures. I didn't say the Bucks are going to the Super Bowl, but I was going to start this podcast by asking you, Lynn Martez, if we will end up looking back at that game-winning drive by Tom Brady and the touchdown pass to Cade Otten with seven or eight seconds left in the game, if we would look back at that as the drive that saved the Buccaneers' season. And from the look on your face and what you've said already so far, I don't think you think so. Say what? What do you say? A a first-round playoff bird? Against the Giants in a wild card game? That's what you got right now. That's what you're sitting at right now. They can beat the Giants right now. Whoop the they gonna do? So you get bumped out in the divisional round. 
whoop the daggone do. You're, you're supposed to be, if not the best team in the NFC, the second best team in the NFC. And they're not. They beat a lousy football team on Sunday. They played badly for the most part of the football game. And it was ugly. P-U. And I said it was going to be ugly. And it was exactly what it was. There are things they did well on Sunday. Very little amount of things. Very little amount. You know, this team has gone six straight games without creating a turnover. Six straight games. They do not have a turnover. That's it's why supposed to be the hallmark of a Todd Bowles defense. Creating that's why when people, you know, oh, the running game. And I, don't get me wrong. The running game, PU too. Because with the exception of the first game against Dallas, they have not rushed for 60. Oh, actually, I'd say since the first game against Dallas, they have not rushed for more than 76 yards in a game. Less than 75 yards. In every game since the Dallas game, week one. So we can talk about how bad the offense uh, has done for the most part this season. But, man, there are things about that defense that you're not going to win playoff games with it. Like I said, let me ask you this. You still feel that way even after the defensive performance that they put on against the Rams with Devin (laughs) White having a huge – a huge bounce back game, Bea, <laughs> multiple sacks. Like these are two players that we've kind of been on their case. <laughs> I just told you how bad of a football team the Rams are. They had two. You still have to perform well. They had two hundred plus teams. total yards, dude. They stink. I told you last week they stink. I told you last week they've played four games this year. The Rams did before this week. Before this past week, they played four games this year where they scored less than 14 points and they lost those games double digits. This game here on Sunday, you nearly lost to a team again that can't score, cannot score. But the, the well, you this can, past you weekend, goals. the defensive you performance three field goals and don't score your first touchdown till nine seconds left in the game. That's what okay, that's that's perfectly fine. We can still talk about. This I offense. know it's fine because I brought it up. Yeah, I know. That we can still talk about this offense, the fact that they can't score touchdowns in the red zone. That's still a huge don't problem. Bring up, don't, don't bring up what, what they were able to do against, against the Rams offense, please. Please. So Other, there's nothing So there's nothing to the performance of Vea or Devin White bouncing back the way that he did, especially considering oh, the way that this defense White played against first him. Off, first off, Devin White was a given, number one. Number two is I've already praised – Vita Vea for leading this team in sacks. When when Shaq Barrett was was healthy, I mentioned the fact that Vita Vea, a defensive tackle, led this team in sacks, which was again three you games. Can interpret that, that more as a shot on Shaq than praising yeah. Vita. Yeah, but it's still it's still you got five five zero who leads this team with 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 six and a half sacks. All right, and I'll still say I'll I'll say it's um. Black and blue in the face. <laughs> the fact that 93 is missed on this football team. I don't care what anybody else says. And Dominican Sue is missed on this football team. Bottom line. But like I said, you want me to praise the defense? I'll give the defense a little love. And that's this. 
They've gone four games this year where they've gotten at least four sacks. God bless them for that. God bless them for that. But you, but, but you, you know what? They've done it against, again, some bad teams. And not to mention the fact that I'll ask you again. I'm going to ask you a question. I'll ask you this. Mention the fact that they've gone six games without creating a turnover. You know who the last quarterback there was that they intercepted? You don't know. You don't know. Mm. You don't know. It's okay. It's all right. A lot of folks don't know. It's Patrick Mahomes. They went games against Kenny Pickett. No picks against him. Mitch Trubisky. No picks against him. P.J. Walker. Who, who lost what 35 to what last week? And no picks against him. All right. No picks against Lamar. No picks on Sunday against Matt Stafford. Noodle arm, arm hanging to the side, still throwing 60 plus yard touchdown passes on a on a defensive mix-up. Okay. So I'll give them their love in regards to getting pressure on the quarterback in about four or five games this year. They got 29 sacks as a team. All right. I'm not talking out of the side of my neck and just throwing stuff on the wall. I'm giving you facts. And the I'm facts not claiming, are, I'm not claiming you are. No, but no, I just, I, I, no, I'm talking to Bucks Nation. I'm not talking to you. I'm already, I'm already accustomed <laughs> to, to be, giving you the reality checks. I'm talking, about, I'm talking to Bucks Nation because Bucks Nation could be listening to this and be like, man, this guy don't know what he's talking about. Yes, I do. Okay. And the fact is, again, or oh, I mentioned the quarterbacks that they haven't gotten an interception against. And the last time they got one was when they lost 41 to 31 on a Sunday night game against Patrick Mahomes. They've gone that long without getting a pick. They've gone that long without, without even creating a fumble. Strip sack. Nothing. Nothing. So let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the last drive. And I do want to give Kate Otten some praise here in a little bit, but I want to talk about the negatives first. And I think part of the negatives and the struggles in the red zones, and we have to go back to this running game and Leonard Fournette and there are reports out there from Trace, Tracy Wolfson during the game that Leonard Fournette was frustrated that he was basically benched for Rashad white on an early drive in that football game. And Rashad white had to a rookie had to go to a veteran and Leonard Fournette and basically calm him down and say, we need you. Um, we've, we know this running game is already a problem, but is Leonard Fournette beginning to become a problem for this football team? And do you see the carries and touches for Rashad White continuing to go up and the ones for Leonard Fournette continuing to go down? Well, I'll say this. And I'm and as much as I was disappointed last week in regards to Devin White going through the the couple of days he went through when on Wednesday they went to him, the media did and asked him, you know, he's gonna talk and he said, No, nah, I'm good. And then the next day he actually spoke. But within those 24 hours, like, again, there, there was a point where I was thinking in terms of, dude, you gotta you gotta face the music. You know, if things are not going well, you gotta face the music. All right, you can't be, you know, smiling and laughing with Aaron Andrews when you're picking off Jameis Winston and talking what you're talking in regards to, you know, when you're winning football games, you got to be there when you lose too. You got to, you, you got to be, st- you know, you got to be stand up all the time. All right. If you're not going to talk, don't talk when you win. Don't talk when you lose. 
All right, if you're going to talk, you got to talk when you win, talk when you lose. But I bring that up because Fournette's a guy who took a lot of slack, right? After signing his deal, folks thought he was out of shape, showed up to camp, and I, I kind of predicted that he would. You know, one of the few times I may have been right about something, predicting something, and I said that he would. I show up to camp in shape because I said, look, man, you're not trying to be that guy to come to camp out of shape because them gases will kick you behind. That, that, that conditioning drill will kick your behind. And I knew he'd be in camp in shape. I was expecting a big year from him, even with, even with the issues on the offensive line, even after Jensen getting hurt, even after the fact that he's starting a rookie at left guard. I thought there was enough on this, on the offensive line to where Fournette would have a big year. I did not expect this team to struggle the way they struggled running the football. And to me, that's the head of all this. He's frustrated, dude. He's, he, he's, he's as, a, as big a reason this team struggles to run the football as the play calling is and as the offensive line is. Cut it up as a pie. All right, <laughs> you want to give 33% to the offensive coordinator? You want to give 33% to the offensive line? You want to give more than 33% to the offensive line? Okay, fine. But all three of those pieces, the running back, the O-line, and the coordinator, all, all are at fault with this football team struggling to run the football. And there's something that folks probably talk about this week, and I hope they are. And that is the fact that you know, everyone talked on sun, on Sunday during the game because check mark or not, I'm on Twitter during the game. All right. And at that standpoint, I'm watching the game. At Elmar810, by the way. Thank you very much. During Bucks games. I, I appreciate that. I ain't paying eight bucks. Um, but but <laughs> I will say this much. I'm on there. And you know, I'm, I'm certainly posting videos and getting reaction back and people are bashing the offensive line and they're bashing the play calling. Why are they running it so much? Folks, you got to watch the game. You have to watch the game. And I say that because watching the game, teams are begging, begging the Bucks to run the football. Okay? There's no eight man in a box. They're dropping off coverage Jalen Ramsey was five yards back from covering someone all right <laughs> granted they might have gained too much of a cushion on that last drive but that's besides the point but in the end again teams are asking the Bucks to run the football and then now not only are they tempting you wanting you to run the football you know what they're also doing they're telling you our guys <laughs> that we have at the line of scrimmage are better than your guys that you have at the line of scrimmage blocking our guys. That's what they're telling you. When you don't have to put an eighth man in the box and you don't have to bring an extra guy, that defense is telling you, no, we're not worried about you running the football. Go ahead and run it. We can tackle. We'll get to, you're not getting to the second level. <laughs> we'll stop you at the line of scrimmage. We'll give you two and a half, three yards. Go ahead. Run it. And that's what the Rams did on Sunday. And that's what people need to understand. They're like, why are we keep running it? Why are we keep running? Because if you watch the game, that's what the defense was giving you. Now, if you want to tell me 
hey, mix it up a little bit, right? Use Rashad White, whomever you got in, running the who, running the football in the game. Throw them screen passes. Make them adjust. Do something else. You got a you got a running back, a rookie running back who can catch the football. Use them as a weapon. To me, they didn't do enough for that. I know there was, I think there was probably about five guys that caught at least five patches on catches on Sunday. And I but Rashad White wasn't one of them. Kate Otten was. Fournette actually, I believe one of those guys that caught five balls. And then the three wide receivers, Scotty Miller, Chris Godwin, and also Mike Evans. All right. Five guys had five or more catches on Sunday. But to me, the guy who comes out of the backfield that has the best hands in Rashad White should have been used more. And when you're first first and 10 and they're expecting to run, hey, throw a little screen pass. Disguise, throw something out there. Throw a wheel to the kid. The kid can catch. Use him. That's the thing that made me upset. Folks were bitching about them running it as much as they did, but I was I was okay with them running it. Not the productivity, but the fact that they ran it. So do you think that we're going to start seeing more of White and less of Fournette? I don't think so. I think I think it was just the nature of the frustration. I don't I don't listen. The reality is, okay, I want to be sitting here four weeks from now, five weeks from now, okay, and talking about a team that looks like the team that we expected them to look at, look like, I should say. All right. You know, Tom's talking about being five and five at the bye. Oh, great. We're four and five now. You know, great win. That was awesome. All right. That was, you know, expletive awesome. He said at the, the press conference on, on, on Sunday after the game. And it was, you know, dude gets the ball back with 44 seconds. Mind you, I said, dude, I ain't call him that dude. He hasn't earned that dude. Although they did. On that last drive, he did. He ain't earned that dude yet, dude. That was 44 seconds of I know. Of on the one play. drive, he earned it. Quality one, play. Yeah, yeah, one drive. That's four quarters in the game. I, I got a couple and they texts. Kicking, and they're kicking three and they're kicking three field goals. And it took them, it took them nine seconds left in the game to finally score a touchdown. So he ain't earned that dude. I yet. got a couple texts after the game saying Brady's back. And I said, calm down on that. And they're like, oh, oh yeah. well, that last drive. But tell them to listen to this podcast, and they might get they they, they might get a, like I said, they might get a dose of, of some real knowledge and real and reality because he ain't you know dude's not back because because they threw a touchdown with nine seconds left in the game. What about the other fifty nine minutes in the game, man? Come on. But I will say this much about about Tom and the fact that he's gonna be satisfied with winning in Germany this 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 weekend and going five and five kind of irks me a little bit. But I'll say this much as far as Sunday is concerned. Man, they dropped some balls on him. There was at least seven or eight drops on him. I, I believe he threw like maybe like like 16 or 17 incompletions. But, I mean, I, at least seven of them, eight of them were drops, clear drops. I mean, I actually posted it on, on Sunday, you know, during the game. Yeah, it was great as far as the relief is concerned. Oh, what a relief it was for, to win a football game. Not like... Not like, like I said, as I said, when we started this podcast, not poppers, not, we won, we won, yay! No, not that, like a relief. Like, okay, the the losing streak is over. And yeah, it's, it's tough to win in the NFL. Guys will always tell you that, you know, 
You went on, you went on Sunday. It's a lot easier to wake up on Monday morning. I get that. I understand that. But but it's a relief. It's not in terms of like, oh man, look how awesome they look. Man, that was that was bad football for fifty nine minutes. Bad. You, but with that final drive, with Tom's reaction, with getting rid of that woe is me kind of attitude. I mean, we talked about it after the loss to the Panthers, Mike Evans saying the light went out after he dropped what would have been an early touchdown pass. Like, I don't think you and I have ever talked about this before. How much do you believe in momentum? And can what happened on that final drive, can it be a catalyst to push the Bucks further? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I think I momentum's a real thing, though. I don't think so. I, you know you know what momentum is? Momentum is momentum is winning, playing playing winning football. That's momentum, dude. I mean, I'll 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 give you this much. For me, the bigger factor is confidence. That's the biggest factor. That's what I'm saying. And I think momentum creates confidence. Uh, I mean, I I I don't I don't buy into the, the momentum thing. I, I I will say again from a from a confidence standpoint, like mentally. Mentally, you got to be there. Like, you got to think, like, we can do this. Like, we can be successful. Like, we have enough talent to win football games. And, yeah, there's teams in the league that think that. <laughs> they ain't got a shot. But there's teams that are successful, uh, that should be successful, that are struggling right now, that could end up winning a game. But you got to do more than, than, than what they did on Sunday. That's the thing. Like, if you say to me, hey, man, the fourth quarter, they put 15 minutes together. I'd be like, great. Okay. That's a quarter of the game. Not 44 seconds of the game, dude. Where a team that you're playing, basically, like like I told you, the cushion, they, like, laid back. Laid back. And I'll say it again. I, I, said, I said it on Twitter on Sunday. Yeah, relief that Kate Otten caught that touchdown pass with nine seconds left. But then it shouldn't even came to that, dude. There were, there were two drops in the end zone on that drive. The Scotty mm-hmm. really still got the football stuck to his helmet. All right? Yeah, he had a career high, you know, in yards and he had a season high. In, or he had a career high, actually, in catches and a season high in, in, in yards. But he could have had more. He could have had a touchdown. He could have had a career high receptions, even more. And he could have, had, like I said, he could have increased his season high in yards this, this year. And sure, he made a few plays on our last drive. But dude, I mean, dude 12 hits you where you're supposed to catch the football. Is Cade Otten the biggest offseason addition that this team made? See, the bet is the best player on this team that wasn't there in 2021? That's an interesting question, actually, because I'm sitting here trying to think who who Maybe Shaq Mason, even with the struggles of the offensive line. Yeah, I mean you could you could you could plug you could you could plug you can plug that um that into the conversation. But here's the scary thing. If you and I had this conversation in June how far down the list would we have to go before we mentioned Kate Otten, right? Yeah. We'd mentioned Hicks, you know, we'd mentioned Jones, 
right? We'd mention Gage, right? We'd be going out. Let's heck, we might have even mentioned Kyle Rudolph before we mentioned Kate Otten. But we mentioned it's a, such a bust. But we mentioned a rookie tight end. I don't think they're using Rudolph the right, right, right way, but that's another conversation. Um, but here we were mentioning a rookie tight end who's he's playing well. He's been legit, right? He may not be. He may not be Keith when it comes to blocking. I think Keith is a much better blocker. I love but, the way they use Keith as kind of an H back fullback as well too. He got cast football too. He had a couple of drops yeah. on Sunday too. Okay, like I said, dude, twelve. All right, he he could have he could have ended up with a better game than he had. And I'll, I'll say it again: they kicked three field goals, dude. And some of the time they kicked those three field goals, they were their worst enemy. Like they've been a lot when they get on the other side of the football, man. When they get in the red zone, it's like you got you got to you got to kill those drives, man. You got to score touchdowns, and you know you talk about momentum. Uh, uh, great. One drive, but that's not enough, dude. That's not enough. Give me a quarter. Give me. Think about this. Think about this. Tell me the last real solid quarter of football they've played. Oh man, <laughs> the first quarter against Baltimore. Okay, maybe, but I don't even think I was. I don't even think that was that impressive. The first half against Atlanta in their last win. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's four games ago, dude. That's four games ago. From a team that is supposed to be one of the top teams in the NFC. You gotta go four, you gotta go four games to get a not a good game, an impressive quarter, 15 minutes. That's bad, dude. That's why I'm in the that's why I'm in the disposition that I'm in. That's why the tenor for Martez, Martez is the way it is. All right. You joked about Tom talking about getting to 500 and going into the bye five and five, but they're going across the ocean. They're already there, as you said, in, in Munich, Germany, where they will play at uh Bayern Munich Stadium against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. How important is this game against the Seahawks? Like, I still don't think, even with Atlanta kind of being topsy-turvy up and down, I still don't think the Bucs are in danger of losing this division. But in terms of in terms of in terms of being a contender in the NFC and stacking up to Philadelphia and Minnesota, how important is what happens on Sunday against another first place team? in the NFC that you could be competing for uh, with seeding when it comes down to the playoffs? For me, here's the reality. And I'm not alone in thinking the way I'm thinking. All right. Yeah. You have people who text you and said, Oh, Tom is back. Okay, great. You can think like that, but I'm not alone. And in, in Bucks fans, this is a good number of Bucks fans that feel the same way I feel in regards to this football team still not playing style of football. Now, if you go, you go to Germany and beat a Seahawks team that is, it's a good football team, dude. All right? Say what you want about <laughs> the former M Mountaineer, you know, from Morgantown back in the day. <laughs> I want to get into I want to get into how impressed and how surprised we are with Seattle, but in turn like let me just, finish. Okay. I, I got you. I mean, like I said, that's a good football team. I, I just started with Geno Smith, but then 
they go from Rashad Penny to plugging in a rookie and Kenny Walker, and they're not, they don't have that and skip the beat. I mean, you got teams, you got teams scratching their head thinking, oh, we missed out on this dude. Yeah, you missed out on nine. You missed out on Kenny Walker, who runs hard. You dude. and I were both mentioning him before the draft as well as he was going to be a steal. Runs hard. Not to mention the two wide receivers they have and, and Metcalf and Lockett. That's a dangerous offensive football team. All right. I mean, are, are they are they, you know, the Legion of Doom defensively? Or do they, you know, do they have the linebacks they had back in the day? Nah, Bruce Bruce Irvin is still there, but I mean Wagner's gone and, and like I said, Legion of Doom is, is gone too. But still, they are a good football team. And because of that, if you can pull off a win, I don't care if it's I don't care if it's in Pete Carroll's backyard. If you can win against the Seattle team, all right, then 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 you've got me. You've got me done talking badly, and, and I'm back from the three weeks hiatus of, of just being a reality check. And you got, you, you, like I said, you'll have me because you would have beaten a good football team. Is this the best coaching job that Pete Carroll's done? Because I think there are some other surprise teams in the NFL right now, and I think there might be some more love for McDaniel and what he's doing in Miami in terms of coach of the year. They but will I, I, I think I'm more surprised that Seattle is win, is winning that division and contending for the playoffs than I am that the Giants are contending for a wild card. I, I, I could have seen that before the season. Oh hell, I did no. not see you're Seattle crazy. winning you're, the NFC. You're, you're crazy. You're winning crazy. the NFC West. Well, you're you're crazy. The Gi- the Gi- the Giants. You thought the Giants were going to be. You had the same expectations for the Giants as you did the Seahawks. Like the Seahawks are a team that I thought could have ended up with a number one pick. They were all pros on that on that Seattle team. Ain't all pros other than Barkley. Ain't all pros on the Giants, dude. There's one Saquon, and and who are the who are the all pros on Seattle? The two wide receivers. But. Are you really? Are they first team All Pros? And like, all, oh, are, so now, oh, so solid. now, so oh, I think I think Pro Bowlers versus All Pro might be a better okay. designation right. for Lockett Pro and Bowlers Metcalf. and wide receivers from okay. Seattle. Yeah. Okay, I mean Metcalf is an All Pro guy. Lockett may not be. He may be a Pro Bowler. Mister Mister Tyrod Taylor's a Pro Bowl. Tyrod Taylor made a Pro Bowl. Um, but my point is, is that the the, the level of talent on, on Seattle is different than it is on, on the Giants. I'll give you this. No one expects either of those quarterbacks to be, play as well as they've been playing right now. That's that's one thing. I'll give you that much. But the level of talent's different in Seattle than it is in, in New York with the Giants. But you could, I'm not telling you that Pete Carroll hasn't done a great job and shouldn't be considered, you know, one of the candidates for coach of the year. I'm just telling you that it's one, one A and one B. It's you know, some might even say you know neck and neck. All right, maybe, but for me, that Giants team should not be six and two. Who's the third best team in the NFC right now? Dallas. I mean, what are you gonna say? Minnesota's number two. I I think so. I think we have. I think you have to put them number two. I I, I would. I, I, I'll say this much: the reason why I'll, I'll say Dallas. That defense is good, dude. Yeah, 
That defense is good. And and here's the thing. See, and far be for me to give the Cowboys credit. But if I'm a Cowboys fan, you know what I want? I want Dak to just chill. No, dude, we don't need you to throw 50 times. Okay? Based off of the way they should be able to run it. And I've said this for years, man. They got two good running backs. All right, sure, Zeke's probably not the way he was when he first came in the league with his halt the top. I get it. I understand that. But still, they got two guys they can give the football to 15 to 20 times a piece. They don't need that to throw 35, 40 times. And you know what? With that defense, they should be winning a lot of should be able to win a lot of football games. So yeah, they're probably the third best team. And see, that's another thing too, because you say you know earlier when I mentioned the fact that you know when the Bucks are four and five and they're oh they're in first place and they and I and I mentioned yeah, they play the Giants in the first round. They also could play the Dallas Cowboys in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because one of those teams, one if not both of those teams, are going to be a wild card. Right. That's why this game. That's why this game matters on Sunday in terms of seeding. Once you get to the playoffs, yeah. But again, if you win a division, all right, and you you might get that home game, but you might get that home game against a team like the Dallas Cowboys who will come into Raymond James and as this team is playing right now, will kick your behind. Okay, wanna... they will. Uh, the the team that I've seen the last four weeks, the team that played on Sunday, and beat the Rams with a touchdown with. Nine seconds left, and the team that lost it three weeks before that will get their butts kicked by the Dallas Cowboys. I want to close with this because of the ties it has to Tampa and the ties it has to Raymond James Stadium. Earlier, earlier this week, Jeff Scott, head coach of USF, is now the former head coach of USF. Things did not go well for the former Clemson offensive coordinator with the Bulls who play at Raymond James Stadium. And then talking about future candidates for the USF job, good friend of ours, Zach Blobner, reported <laughs> that- By the way, did he invite you to his wedding? Job <laughs> is former Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> you gonna speed bump over that? He reported that John Gruden, the job is former Buccaneers coach John Gruden's if he wants it. We know how things ended for John Gruden out with the Las Vegas Raiders. One, do you think that Gruden would have any interest in this job? Number two, or and number two, do you think that this is just some crazy boosters wanting Gruden? Because me personally, I think that might be the case. I don't see a scenario in where Gruden gets this job, even if he wants it. Well, a couple of things. One is, since when is John a candidate to take a college job? He was mentioned for years for Tennessee, Miami. And did he take any of those jobs? No. Okay. And here's the thing. You want to know why? You think John Gruden wants to, who's been, I mean, reputation known for what like i'm a i'm the quarterback guru dude i'm gonna find the next great quarterback in the nfl right and he Derek, always liked older guys Derek, man Derek cost was looking over his shoulder every year mm-hmm. that john coached him 
because he felt like it was going to be <laughs> it was going to be the end of me. All right. John Gruden was looking for the next the next Rich Gannon. All right. That's what he was looking for. You think he's going to want to coach some 17, 18 year old young quarterback when he's not even trying to he wasn't even willing to, to, to coach young quarterbacks in the NFL? That's not happening. That's number one. Number two is when it comes to that school in itself, you got to ask yourself, okay, who are we going to hire that's going to change this program around the right way? John Gruden's that guy to change this program around the right way? The guy that just lost his job for the reasons he lost his job with the Raiders? And you can question whether or not you know, the, the avenue that was taken to get rid of him and, and you know, what transpired and the, the emails and all that. But you're going to put your program that's in the disarray it's been in for the last, what, three hires? And you're going to give it to who? To John Gruden? I mean, I'm not doubting his knowledge in regards to football. But I just think he'd be more likely to get an NFL job before he'd get a college job, dude. And he'd be more willing to take an uh, NFL job before he would take a college job. I'll just say this. Another name that Zach Blobner mentioned is the perfect hire. Hire former UCF coach Scott Frost. I think that'll get you headed in the right direction. Yeah, okay. USF. Next week, the Bucks have a bye week, but we will be back to talk about what happens in that NFL International Series game, Bucks and Seahawks in Germany. Until then, follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. <laughs>